It may be a new thrilling attraction at the Disney MGM Studios, but the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror has a very scary past. Join us as we take the plunge. The Hollywood Tower Hotel. It opened way back in 1917 and closed 22 short years later. Why? Well, room service wasn't very good and the sheets were a little... No, wait, I'm sorry. That... I think it has something to do with the mysterious disappearance of five people on October 31st, Halloween. What happened to those five people, and why is this place known today as the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror? And what about that terrifying 13-story, faster-than-gravity drop? Well, we talked to comedian and amateur sleuth Gilbert Godfrey to get to the bottom of it. Get it? Bottom of it. Anybody work in this place? I'm an important person. What kind of establishment are you running here? I can't believe this. Hey! Can you tell me where the pool is? Can you tell me where the gift shop is? Can you tell me where the other guests are? Can you tell me where you are? Oh, hi. I'm Gilbert Godfrey. And I'm wearing a fuzzy pink bathrobe. Oh! Haunted Mansion movie, before there was Pirates of the Caribbean, 1 through 37, there was Disney's Tower for, Terror of Terror movie made for television in 1997. You're listening to the Haunted Davenport podcast, and my name is Allison. With me are my co-hosts, Drew. Hello. Andy. Hello. And Val. Hi. We're glad to be back after an unplanned hiatus. Summer was insane. We're not going to get into it, but we're glad that we're here now. And we are bringing you this October Halloween season offering where we talk about a made-for-TV movie based on a ride at Disneyland. Well, originally Disney World and then later Disneyland and many other Disney parks which was based on the show The Twilight Zone, which is kind of perfect for our show because you have a ride based on a sci retro sci-fi <laughs> television show. And then Disney got into the idea of, well, what if we made movies about our rides? And everybody th thinks that, you know, I think people think that Pirates of the Caribbean was the first foray into this, but really mm -hmm. The Tower of Terror, which originally aired on ABC, on October 26, 1997, it was part of the Wonderful World of Disney program, which used to air on Sunday nights and would feature different movies or behind-the-scenes things about what was happening in the theme parks or what new, new movies were in development or behind-the-animation type stuff. It was an ongoing series that kind of just showcased Disney that had been going on since the 50s, really under different names, but there's always been this sort of like ABC 
promotes Disney kind Since of the deal. Of Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. It was actually originally the idea was developed ads for Disneyland yeah ads for Disneyland and this totally this film is basically kind of an ad for the ride it pretty well yeah it's, it's filmed mostly on location in the ride right? it is right. yeah yeah they use exteriors from the original Tower of Terror ride in Florida um, they use exteriors from the ride and also some of the interiors like the lobby which is part of where you wait in line to get on the actual ride features prominently in this movie mm -hmm. but we thought it would be fun to talk about because you know it's kind of a childhood nostalgia thing for 90s kids it was um, directed by DJ McHale who we talked about last summer because he was one of the creators of the series are you afraid of the dark and this kind of fits in the are you afraid of the are you afraid of the dark wheelhouse where you have kind of a kid kid kind of friendly ghost story that has some macabre moments but isn't actually really that scary it's it's mostly harmless it's got a happy ending is you know we're gonna you know, obviously we're gonna go into full spoilers but uh we are yeah good good point andy yeah this uh if you're if you're worried about the plot of the 1997 tower of terror movie uh you know maybe get, go give that a watch first um andy do you or does anyone else want to give a synopsis for what this is about it it's kind of all over the place. The, the 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 movie has more twists than I was expecting for what this was gonna what this was gonna be. But um, basically, Steve Gutenberg is a, a deadbeat reporter who works on like the National Enquirer and does basically Bat Boy stories. Um, and uh, but it turns out there's a mystery at this old haunted uh, um, what is it? is it a hotel? It's a hotel. It's a hotel. It is. The um, Hollywood Tower Hotel. Yeah, mm -hmm. HTH. And um, he goes and investigates, and hijinks ensue. Um, and yeah. I can say that the, the movie opens with a bunch of people. It, it all started on Halloween in 1939. Uh, there's a big old big band number, and some people are hanging out in the hotel and going up to a party. And then some evil green lightning strikes, and, and everybody in this elevator gets zapped. And, that's, and then fade to black. Yeah, you have five people in the elevator that disappear after it gets struck by lightning, and the lightning's conjured through witchcraft, and we're shown there's a child starlet who we learn is named Sally Shine, and a singer-slash-actress, and kind of, I wasn't clear on what her boyfriend, is he just... A rich classist. Yeah. Sure, he's just... In a tuxedo. Did we know... I, he was the boyfriend the whole time. Yeah, Did I mean, we? they Somehow were hanging I out. That part. He just he just kind of seemed like a like an extra from The Great Gatsby or something. It was yeah. slightly the wrong era, but he but he just is you know the the rich party boy kind of person. He seemed like an elitist and, jerk. To and me. we yeah. they couldn't flesh out his character because then it wouldn't be a kids movie. Right. Yeah. There's no way that that guy is a good guy <laughs> unless no. you know nothing about him. And right. we have, um, there's a there's a bellhop who is um, the son of the owner of the hotel and he's working in the hotel and then you have the nanny for the little uh, Sally Shine who's basically a Shirley Temple type. Yeah. And so there's the whole mystery. And in the actual ride... You're treated to if you go to to Disney World. You're treated to a video that's imitates a Twilight Zone episode, and it tells this brief story about these people who mysteriously got sucked into another dimension through this elevator. 
And so they're trying to build off of that and kind of develop a larger backstory like they do when, because ride stories aren't usually as well developed as a, you know, hour and a half or two hour film. Oh. And what, what, what do you mean? What if there were pirates isn't a good premise for a, a movie? <laughs> Right, right. I uh, mean... Apparently it's a good premise for quite a few movies. Yeah, apparently. I what mean, if there were pirates? The ride what itself has a little a little bit of a story, but it's enough of a story because it's you're having, what is it, like a 10-minute experience, you know, versus yeah, a 90-minute experience. experience. Right. Um, but anyway, so this this movie has a pretty fun fun cast of different people, people you would recognize from either just 80s and 90s stuff or so there's some people in here with some horror cred you've got it's starring steve gutenberg who was kind of in everything in the 80s and early 90s yeah, for he's a minute perhaps most famous for his role in the police academy films but, sure uh, or cocoon or and a baby those movies and a baby, yeah. yeah see yeah. i think steve gutenberg is most famous for this movie because this is the only movie that i knew he was in <laughs> right well because you grew up with this yeah. one yeah <laughs> Um, cause you would have been seven when this came out, Val? Uh, I would have been turning seven. Oh yeah, so you would have been right about the right age. Of Sally Shine. Totally. Mm -hmm. And, and Kirsten Dunst. And you saw this, like, when it first like, came out. Like, every year. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but it was, like, on TV for the month of October all the time. Like, for it's... a couple of years there when the DCOMs were really taking off, like, in that pre-2000s. Did you see it on the Disney Channel as well? Yeah. Because I feel like since it was a Disney mm -hmm. property, yeah. I remember distinctly watching it with one of our younger sisters, Christina. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was scared because she was like, two? Hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's spooky. <laughs> when you're two and you don't understand what's going on, yeah. there's spooky things. That, that, that was still like Christina's Scooby-Doo phase. Yeah. Yes. This is not Aww. as spooky, or Scooby-Doo is not quite as spooky as this movie is. Yeah. Just, to, you know, if you're wondering about the scale of spook in this. Uh, this I is feel like, like a... this is kind of Scooby-Doo, but the fact that it's live action makes it yeah. more yeah. scary. Yeah, Like definitely. cartoons, it's like cartoon, you can drop them in an elevator and they don't die. Yes. They just turn into like an accordion, they make a couple <laughs> of fun noises, yeah. and then they, like, you know, stick their thumb in their mouth and, and yep, poof re their, yeah, they reinflate themselves. Make no mistake, five people are murdered in the yeah. first five minutes of this movie. <laughs> That's yeah. true, and well. the killer is never brought to justice. All, all she does is apologize, and then she gets to go to heaven. So yeah. Wow! That, just finished the entire podcast just, right there. We can right wrap, 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 wrap it up. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the injustice of it just makes me mad. Steve, so Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg plays <laughs> the down on his luck reporter named Buzzy Crocker, and Kirsten Dunst plays his his niece, who often gets roped in willingly to mm. his shenanigans when he takes photos of alien autopsies and such, mm. which you know. They were totally riffing on because that was a very 90s thing. If Extreme. anybody remembers the oh, Fox really? alien autopsy. Like just the year previous or And something. we talk about the alien autopsy itself in the 90s in a previous episode where we uh, did our probing aliens episode where we compare um, that TV special hosted by Jonathan Frakes with the <laughs> so Factor good. Fiction show versus a X-Files episode where they make fun of that very thing. So if that's something you're into or you have nostalgia for that zany era of television, you can go back and check out that episode. But yeah, so so for this, he's doing that kind of you know weekly world news type stuff. And Kirsten Dunst is 
you know, three years out from doing her incredible performance in Interview with a Vampire. So it's mm -hmm. kind of, this is kind of a fun, frivolous role for her, and she's adorable in it. And uh, then you have, um, you have Nia Peoples playing an ex-girlfriend for uh, Steve Gutenberg's character, and some people would recognize her from a lot of different television, but one of the most notable ones is she was on the 80s television show Fame, which I have vague memories of as a child. And um, we have... Uh, John Franklin, who plays the bellhop, who's a ghost in this. Um, and if you're a horror fan, you're going to recognize him immediately because he played Isaac in the Children of the Corn films. And the, the original. Children the original, the yeah. Films. And also, I did not know this until I was looking it up for research for this. He plays Cousin It in the um, 90s Adams Family and Adams Family Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because he's on the shorter side. So yeah. He'd be great for Cousin That's awesome. I know. Yeah. made me really happy when I saw That's that. I was really like, neat. oh, I love Cousin It. So he, you know, he's got some serious and also some fun horror cred, and he's in this. And then um, we have uh, Michael McShane, who is the current owner of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, and he goes by the name Q in this. And he's been a character actor in tons of things but the things I personally recognized him from Office Space and Drop Dead Gorgeous um but yeah tons of credits he's also apparently in a movie called Big Trouble which we uh which, <laughs> which is one of it. my favorite yeah. movies yes. that got underrated because it was set to come out right after September 11th yep and the Office fans would recognize Melora Hardin who plays Claire Poulet, who is a actress slash Poulet. singer. That's French for Yeah. Chicken. And and then we have veteran actress Amzie Strickland, who plays advocate Gail Gregory, who is Sally Shine's sister, mm -hmm. um, as an as an elderly woman. And fun fact about her, we looked her up and Drew found that she was in the original Twilight Zone series in the classic Monsters Are Due on Maple Street episode. She was also in an episode of the redo series Twilight Zone in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And in the television movie that we covered last year, The Legend of Lizzie Borden, which was Val's first episode on the Davenport. So. Yeah, she has been all over the place. And she didn't you say she'd been making movies she was since in like movies the 30s? Since like yeah. 37, I think it was. Mm -hmm. 260 some odd roles and there's actually quite a large cast but i don't want to just i'm not gonna like run through everybody yeah. but just to give you an idea um you know this is like not gonna go through the mother who just needs to plant trees <sighs> yeah, I, you know we got backstory on the, that tree yeah. situation there, i feel like there was a lot in this that they could have fleshed out a little bit more sure. but just didn't i felt like there was stuff that they fleshed out like so steve gutenberg's character um ne'er-do-well reporter named Buzzy Crocker. Buzzy. Buzzy. Good old Buzzy. His whole thing is that he used to work for, what is it called? Like the... Oh, like the, the, the Daily Herald or yeah, something? Yeah, like the, the yeah. newspaper for the Los local Angeles big at this newspaper. time. Local yeah. big newspaper. Not the LA Times. No. Definitely not the um, LA Times TM. And then his ex-girlfriend was also she's the head editor maybe she's like the head story editor it's she's always looking at film strips it's like mm -hmm. really hard to kind of tell she's very busy she wears pantsuits she doesn't have time for steve gutenberg he failed her in some moral or emotional way five years prior to the beginning of this film and then then we get that fleshed out a little bit he essentially got like gawker gotcha where it's like he wrote a story on something that 
turned out to not be true. He accidentally reported fake news. He reported he fake, fake news, news, and I guess it tanked his entire career, which is like, man, Steve Gutenberg, just hold on for the internet. That won't matter. Right? <laughs> you could be a BuzzFeed writer. The 24-hour news cycle. Too early. Buzzy, even, buzzy with BuzzFeed? Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to write a retraction because no one is retaining that information. Nope. So, you know, there's a lot of plot that was kind of thrown in there to make... A, there was like empathy thrown at characters that kind of didn't need it, and then we there's like two ghosts in the elevator we know nothing about. Yeah, these, these people that there's died like horribly. Mustache man who I think was guzzling a martini at some point. Mm-hmm. Who and ended then up being the boyfriend. Irish mm. nanny who who was I, a red herring yeah, she's, for she's ten she's minutes. She's a red herring. Yeah. yeah. She was a red herring for almost half the movie. She yeah. she has like the um the unpleasant disposition of any sort of school marm. Or yeah, or like, like a German housefrau. She's very cons- stern. She's got like a vaguely trunchful esque kind of kind of vibe, but apparently she's super sweet and has like a heartwarming Irish she's, accent. She's the mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't call her like fat, you just say she's stocky. Stocky. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean there's like we we learned some things about Steve Gutenberg. None of it was useful. He flakes on planting trees. He, he does. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's flaky a lot. I think we can probably take that away. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I asked earlier, what was the lesson that he learned? What was the thing that was more important than getting his career back? Was It it, it, was, it was not disappointing Kirsten Dunst, I think. No, I, th- I think it's like family and, and showing up. Show yeah, up for family. don't be a flake. Because if we recall, if those people hadn't died on that elevator, they would have shown up to that party oh. they were trying to get to when they were murdered. That's the whole. That's mm-hmm. the, the. That's arc. the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's that you gotta show up. You gotta show up. Murder plot or no? Even mm-hmm. six years murder. later. Yeah. Show up first. First. So. But then also don't murder. So, the nanny. The character of the nanny is named Emmeline Partridge, and she was played by Wendy Worthington. And we're told by uh, grown-up Abigail Gregory that the nanny was practicing the dark arts, and that is how the lightning storm happened and how everybody got um, basically trapped in the weird ghost dimension that Mm -hmm. was riding in the elevator. And so she she gets, you know, scapegoated for the whole thing. And when when um, Buzzy and his niece and Q are going around the hotel and they actually start seeing ghosts and investigating things, they assume that she's, you know, the villain or evil until they get to know the ghosts. Because the ghosts actually initially when they first show up in the hotel are trying to scare them away. So they're doing fun, like, stereotypical ghost tropes, like mm-hmm. showing up brandishing weapons or, you know, like... I think the term ghost tropes is just fun on its own. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just fun. <laughs> Elevator doors stuff. open and it's just fire for fire. no yeah. explicable reason. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you, are you, are you like looking at a thing and then something shadowy moves real fast behind you and you look back and it's, oh, what, what was that? It's not there anymore. And it's Halloween. So yeah. it's, you know, extra, extra Moving atmospheric. Books. Yeah. So like. Floating candles. So then once they figure out that the, you know, the people in the current, current day are actually there to help. 
they stop trying to scare them and they get to know everybody and then you know kind of the spookiness subsides but you learn that then they just kind of hang out for a while you <laughs> well you learn that abigail gregory as a little girl was the one that was practicing the witchcraft because she was insanely jealous of her movie star sister and she thought her birthday had been forgotten and so you know little girl grudges which she still holds intensely yeah 60 years later and this is like emphasis on the insanely jealous because this is yeah they say they say sixty years yeah this is this is like a ten year old she that, aged horribly <laughs> oh no because that means she's only she's like, like 70. 60, 68, 70. She's, she yeah. was ten when it happened okay. her, tenth birthday. her tenth birthday. Yeah. so yeah she's only seventy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, props to her. I, there are a lot of sorceresses and witches mm -hmm. that would, you know, they would really struggle to pull this off as an adult, and she manages to banish five people to purgatory, you know, before she's even in double digits. Well, so. accidentally, she was trying to kill well, people, them. Well, yeah, but... People also, her eight, like, I mean, sometimes it's Ada through, through cosmetic help, but people, I feel like, on average, just don't quite age as much as they used to. So, like, 70 kind of looked older in the true. 90s. People did learn that the sun now. hurts your skin. I am currently in the process of unaging, as we mm. speak. It's also, you know, all the plastics. So, drinking yeah. some ch child blood, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Bathing in the blood of virgins. Kids keep going missing from my neighborhood. I can't account for it. Um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but speaking Val Bathory. Of, speaking of children, here, so... The premise that we're given for why Abigail is so pissed and why she condemns five people to death, including what, like her like eight-year-old sister, mm -hmm. who's probably not the orchestrator of her misery, if I had no. to guess. No, she, she's just the, the target of everyone's she's affections. The, she's the conduit of yes. the misery, but, yes. you know, she's not... Yeah. Jealous of her. But, like, so Abigail... Abigail's already at the party when we see her in the opening sequence. She's wearing a brown dress, and I think that this is important, because also, Abigail is a brown-haired sibling, and Susie Shine is obviously wearing a pink dress and is the blonde-haired sibling, and I think that that, you know, that seems important in some way for the 90s, in the way that, like, we view the dichotomy and value of girl children. But anyways, like, <laughs> um, so... Says Ab the blonde child. Says the blonde child. Uh, so... <laughs> Like, Abigail comes to this party, 10 years old, on her birthday, already pissed. <laughs> like, she's coming and sets herself up for a bad time. She's got a spell already picked out. She's already she picked, does. she yeah, already has all the, sh she has a lock supplies. of someone's hair. Yeah. Yep. Like, she's what the hell? She's got the book open in the basement, yeah, candles are already she lit. She says that it's because people forgot her birthday, but here's a major spoiler. The party was apparently for Abigail, and she didn't even hang out long enough before killing someone to figure that out. Also, I feel like Abigail just wanted to kill someone. Yeah. Uh, also, her birthday's on Halloween. Mm -hmm. There's a party on your birthday every, every birthday. Every yeah. I mean, it's just like those poor kids that have birthdays on Christmas. You know? right. It's like, yeah, happy birthday, but also it's Christmas. It's the double present. Well, it's yeah. your Christmas she, slash she's birthday gift. Oh, I'm sorry. She's murdering someone at like 8.05 p.m. <laughs> because it's a child's birthday party. Mm -hmm. This, Abigail's got a bad attitude, and I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't like that she got redeemed in the end, I think. No, she definitely, she got more than she deserved She got here. way more than she deserved. Well, also, she had 60 years to redeem herself and, like, just become didn't. a better person that's the, that's and apologize. The, yeah. That's the creepiest part of the story, she's is the that she's, she, we find out that she's recruited everyone to help her, not because she wants to try to right a wrong, 
she doesn't like that her little sister's in purgatory. Like, she wants her to fully die. She's like, like it didn't quite go the way she wanted. So right. she's trying to finish them off. Yeah, she's trying to finish the job. Which is really she only sinister. disappeared. She wanted to see mayhem. She yeah. wanted to see a dead body. Dead and she bodies. didn't get it. So really, like, if she just waited a couple of years and got, like, you know, dated an electrician or something, she yeah. could have pulled this off a lot more seamlessly without the dark arts. But no, 10-year-old sociopathic Annabelle. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's Annabelle, been in Abigail, an sorry. asylum this whole time. Right. She yes. goes to a sanitarium, quote-unquote. A really nice sanitarium. Yeah. It looks, it honestly looks like assisted living. Well, kind of in a posh apartment. It's probably where all the all the Hollywood starlets from the studio eras went to, like, dry out after their sure. impediments wore off. I mean, the room that she has in that like it's sanitarium just room, it's just one room but that one room is almost as big as our house it's like yeah a really yeah. nice dorm <laughs> very yeah. spacious well and her and you know her parents i think sir you know they were still around for yeah. however long so they just paid for her to be there and they There's had money from no mention of these parents i still, money from the sister's I still think it's like studio system hush money still yeah yeah, yeah like probably. hey your, your sister disappeared but we're Here's, told by... We're gonna stick you in the sanitarium. We're told by some man posing as a psychiatrist who's really more akin to a cruise director uh, that she's been in the sanitarium since the accident happened because apparently it really messed her up. And I guess we're supposed to take from that that the disappointment of not having actually murdered anybody made her go slightly insane. Yeah, well, and I, and I guess we should say that, that she's the, the person that uh, gives us our inciting incident in at, at the beginning of the film. She looks up Steve Gutenberg and breaks into his house. Yeah, yeah. she's like, <laughs> she gets, like, daytime privileges to walk off grounds, apparently. That's just, like, something... She did her time, and mm -hmm. now she gets to walk around during the she day. She was doing better. And she just immediately heads it off with some B&E. Yep, and, uh, and uh, gets Steve Gutenberg to start looking into this. Because Steve Gutenberg is the guy that would do it, because he does real hard-breaking news. Yeah. Yeah, like Bat Boy. Well, um. she's, she's a fan of his work, and she figured that he's into the supernatural. She doesn't understand that he's faking the supernatural right. for his yeah. job, well, and because also, she's a real-life witch. Right. <laughs> That's not yeah. Bat Boy, because Bat Boy is trademark. It right. was... Uh, Mr. Ed reincarnated into Talking Dog. Right. The spirit of Mr. Ed and Talking Dog. Frankly, I want to get some backstory on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that... that, that that's a good spin-off movie. did Mr. Yeah. Ed turn into the Bush's Baked Bean Dog? Oh, no. Roll that beautiful bean footage. This is about, <laughs> uh, probably about the right time. So maybe it was a yeah. Bush's Baked Beans reference. That um, dog, along with Timeless Villains... That dog is constantly trying to undermine his family's, like, wealth and well-being. <laughs> I just feel like that's not chill. We should talk about Duke the Bush's Baked Beans dog. He passed away oh, a few Duke. years ago. Well, Rest one of the one of them. passed away. One of the main, yeah. Multiple Dukes have passed away at this point. R.I.P. Duke. <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so this movie's, you know, it's, it's definitely... Kind of lighthearted, but also messed up at the same time. Yeah. Leaves you with some questions. There's a lot of stuff that you're like, wow, wait a sec, did, okay. Right. Like maybe they didn't flesh out anything important because they were like, oh, no, no, no. The FCC will slap us with a PG-13 if yeah, we talk is, about that. Right. This is not well, Disney if we do this. I mean, it kind of seems like, too, like it's supposed to be a lesson learning 
moment in a story arc for Buzzy where he's supposed to stop being a flake because once his ex, um, Jill, catches onto the idea that there really is a deeper story because she's the one who finds out about Abigail's past and that Abigail has she she goes into Abigail's room and finds out his murder. a yeah. hidden hate shrine to Sally <laughs> yeah. Shrine complete with a beheaded Sally Shrine doll. What so sister she, doesn't have a hidden hate shrine for several other sisters or brother? I'm not coming over to your house now. <laughs> okay. You guys, you guys heard that out there. Be, be afraid. Lauren, Exhibit. Christina, I'm talking to you. Exhibit A. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, they, she, she decides, she, she realizes, oh, wait, he's actually onto something and she takes him seriously. And so she offers him, you know, like, this front page story, but he has to get it written so they can get it, you know, by a certain deadline, which would require him to go back on his agreement with the ghosts to help fix the elevator because they've determined that if they can get the elevator working again on Halloween night, they can go up to the 12th floor where the tip top club was in the, in the hotel, which is where the party was because they're stuck because they never joined the party. Yeah. Figured out that that's their destiny. Yeah. To break the curse and get out of purgatory, all the ghosts that died in the elevator have to get to the party and the, 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 the party will complete the cycle and then everybody will, and apparently the party happens every year on Halloween up and there. And they can just hear it. They can they just, just hear, hear it. it. But they can't take they the can't. stairs. They can't take the service elevator. They, they just, they can't, they have to just sit so there and listen. they try every year to get to it? And, and then, it, like, what else do they have I think, to do? I think for the first couple years, or probably Or do you think, like, after a while they just gave up and they're just like, ugh, it's the party it's again. It's the party it's again. kind of... It reminds me a bit of The Shining, like more so the book than the film, but yeah. there's basically a reoccurring party that happens, you know, that's just charged up by psychic energy during during the wintertime in that novel, and, and you know, it's a darker version of this, but I thought that was kind of an interesting concept that there's this haunting of a party, like a residual haunting that occurs every year at the mm -hmm. same time. But yeah, so like we're kind of... We get the we get the development of, of Buzzy as like he's a flake and he's constantly bailing on his his obligations to his sister and goes mm -hmm. back on his word and that's probably why Jill Perry dumped him at some point within the story and so he you know tries to have it but it's a legitimate newspaper job again instead of working for a tabloid so he's he's faced with you know disapproving looks from his niece who had previously adored him and just like. Yeah. You gotta keep your word, Buzzy. Gotta like, have show it, some growth. It's it's worth pointing out here too that he was up until his competent ex looks into this story for him. He was the perfect patsy for this scheme. He was mm -hmm. he was along for the ride. He thought the he thought the the nanny was the one that did it. He was you know playing right into Abigail's hands. He um, did zero research, and it took. Uh, the editor of the paper and his former girlfriend, like, two minutes to look up Abigail Gregory and be like, oh, she's related to Sally Shine. Yeah, she figured out the actual yeah. oh, truth behind it all. Yeah. Oh, she's related. Oh, she's living in this insane asylum. Oh, it's her birthday. I'm gonna go give her a present and do some, like, hardcore investigative journalism. This is why she's the editor. Yeah. She's, yes. She told him that she was the sister, right? Yes. And yeah. she's like, D did you... She, and like, told him it was her yeah. birthday and yeah, everything, yeah. but then like he listened to her entire story, and he didn't believe in ghosts or anything. He just like said, "Oh wait, no, that's a good idea to do for the National Enquirer ghost in a hotel. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. thanks." 
Thanks, then, old lady. I'm going to go do a quick photo shoot with my niece, and then so yeah, I'll sell yeah. this, and then I'll go do something but else next e week. Even after he discovers the ghosts are real, he doesn't question anything else about no. Abigail's story. He just no. takes everything she tells him at face value. Well, he learns that he learns... By meeting the nanny that she's not a witch yeah. and, and also just, not mean. Yeah. Those two things aren't necessarily... And then he just figures, know. oh, she was just confused. Right. Yeah. She was a little girl. She Crazy was old lady. Well, it's okay. And it's funny because... Moving on. Let's go fix an elevator. Yeah. He, he at, the, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the story, when they first go to the hotel, his whole idea is, well, we'll stage ghost photos. And so we'll make he's, fake ghost photos. He's trying to hire Claire Poulet as, as a actress... Um, and he, he wants somebody older, but he, he's trying to get somebody to be the fake nanny and he's making right. his niece, Anna, played by Kirsten Dunst, play the Sally Shine character. So he's got her in a little dress of the era and, you know, kind of like a little Heidi outfit or something, you know, it's, she's got a little ruffly dress on and so he's trying to stage the ghosts and then he meets the ghosts and it's, you know, it's like, Oh, there's, there's a real thing here, but it's, it's just funny. And then because he thinks he's, he's got the story of the lifetime cause he's going to photograph real ghosts. He's bumbling yes. his way through this, this character. He's kind of a clueless doofus. There's yep. a couple of plot holes in this movie. Just sure. You don't just say. A, just a couple. Also the labor of this movie is done entirely by the supporting cast and mm -hmm. almost exclusively by Q who is tasked with repairing the elevator, even though that's not, Anything that he has any experience doing, he's a car mechanic and a bad one. He's a car mechanic that blows up cars. Yes. yes. And also, his ex, who is tired of him. Mm -hmm. She is fatigued by his antics. Yeah. I don't know what to do, man. She's, she's done with the Steve Gutenberg shenanigans. I remember really liking this movie as a kid, and I still like it. Like, it's very, it's very whimsical. Yeah. And, uh, and it makes sense when you're a kid. Of the Disney Channel movies... Mm -hmm. This is definitely not the most thought out one. No, I actually, I think when we watched in December, when we watched Phantom of the Megaplex, I thought that was better fleshed out. Yeah. I thought it was, I especially, one of the things I really appreciated about that one is, is just sort of like the movie lovers nostalgia for old cinema. Like it had, it had a really nice kind of nod to people who love film and love going to the movie theater. And I think there was just a little more care put into that one. I mean, I I think this I think this is a fun one though, and it's nice. Like if you were gonna watch a bunch of Disney movies for Halloween with your kids, especially, I think this is yeah. fun. Or if you remember as a kid, you could go back and revisit it with low expectations. But you know, this this would pair decently with something like Halloween Town, which is a fun one, but also kind of Lacks lower substance. budget, a yeah. little bit less thought out. No offense to fans of Halloween Town. It's a cute movie. It's not something I grew up with. I watched it later, and I was like, oh, this is nice. You it's know? fine. Yeah. Um, the sequels to Halloween Town, they did not hold up to the Halloween Town standard, in my opinion. <laughs> I thought Halloween Town 2 was fine. Halloween yeah. Town High doesn't really make any sense. And then the Halloween Town, like, there's, like, a fourth one where they replace the main actress who plays Marnie. Hmm. And I think the whole franchise just kind of far. went to the toilet. Yeah. We just watched the first one. Well, Is we Debbie... watched the second one. We did? Yeah, we watched the second one. I'm, I don't you just remember don't remember it. Calabar's Revenge. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Was Debbie Reynolds in the second one as well? Uh, yes. Okay. So, for those of you who don't know us personally, um... The town that we live in, in Portland, just about an hour outside of here is the 
filming location for Halloween Town and every October St. Helens basically re-emerges re as Halloween Town and they have they've recreated some old set pieces and brought out ones that they mm. were able to acquire and they turn the town square into Halloween Town like it was from that movie. So if you're a fan of those and you're ever in Oregon in October, you got to go check that out. Sometimes um, they actually get different actors from the movies to come out and do meet and greets and they do a fun parade and different shops get involved and they've got a haunted house and stuff it's mm -hmm. it's good spooky fun yeah it's that's... not on the par of like of like going to salem during the month of october no. but it's it's cute and it's a, it's a fun thing to do in oregon in salem massachusetts that is not oh, salem sorry. oregon yeah going no. to salem oregon during the month of october is nothing yeah, yeah. Mm, except for there is a really oh, good yeah, the there, nightmare factors, there is a really yeah. good haunted house there is it is run by the Oregon School for the Deaf, and it is a high-quality haunt and very recommended. Yeah, it is, actually. That is... Yeah, that's great. And, and since, you know... The last time I went season. to a haunted house was with you two. Oh. J Jansen Beach. Yeah, Scream oh. at the Beach. That, that was, was it, fun. Where I thought one of the haunters, one of the employees who was haunting the house, was my brother. Like, <laughs> like, in the zombie theme In the haunt. zombie one. Yeah. So I thought, I thought it was Andy being a dick and so i hit him you punched him in the gut i think if i remember right he was standing really kind of... close to me well he was about andy's size like but andy was standing off to the side yeah. of us and a respectful distance yeah the cool thing was honestly i think from this story i i hear andy you lucked out right yeah now. i thought she I thought hit she him got hard <laughs> yeah she I held him it. hold off and hit him and and she's like i don't remember exactly what you said but you said like stop it andy or something like that <laughs> and and he didn't break character. He's, he was in zombie makeup, but you couldn't see because it was really dark. But he said, I'm not Andy. And it was hilarious. <laughs> but I also felt bad for that. I was like, oh, God, are we going to get kicked out? Yeah. I, 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 I think that was the last time I went to it because those things, I was just talking to Andy like before we started recording about why I don't see like newer scary movies in theaters or anything. I usually don't watch them at home either because jump scares and stuff like that, I just... My, I just like can't. Yeah. I'm too full of adrenaline. People are not safe with me. Right. I like I've watched most of the Babadook like covering both of my ears and through uh, like one finger, and oh. I still had nightmares for two months. And I was 25. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, they when when people are preparing to be actors in a haunt, that's one of the things they try to train them about is that some people have a fight response <laughs> when they're frightened rather than a flight response right. or even the I mean even a flight response could be dangerous because if you just suddenly take off you could like run into a person or run mm. into a prop or run in uh, you know step well, into something that's not safe documentary on fright actors from um down at like Universal. Oh, like the people that not, do like Not Scary Farm not scary and far. stuff. Yeah. And there was that one woman they kept interviewing where like she had to basically because she was getting older and she had to switch over to more of theater stuff because when she was a fright actor, she was too good and she kept getting injured because <laughs> people kept hitting her. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it, it, sorry, it just, there's a classic gif on the internet of uh, a guy in a mask hiding in a garbage can with like a, one of those flip top lids. And, oh, uh -huh. Yeah, someone just walks by, and the guy pops up and scares him, you know, expecting the guy to, like, freak out and run away or whatever. But the guy just turns immediately, without missing a beat, just pops him right in the face. And just as quick as he popped up out of the garbage can, he just drops right back into it. It's, I mean, some people, you know, like me and this gentleman from the GIF. The GIF. Um, the GIF. We are, we have such highly tuned 
reflexes mm-hmm. from our training. Um, <laughs> that it's that will to survive. That's it's really, deep in the genes. It's really just for the benefit of others mm-hmm. that I don't participate in these events. Well, I learned I learned early on when we would all go to the corn maze outside of Eugene not to stand too near you because if you got startled you would be movie scream and it was like ear piercing and it was really it was a great I mean if you were going to be in a movie that would be perfect but your startle response was really extreme and also you know you're a teenage girl so of course guys in hockey masks and guys with chainsaws were gonna harass the heck out of you so teenage, it was like teenage farm boys and, and so I just you know I learned was like I'm gonna take like five steps back otherwise my eardrums are gonna explode but yeah, it's some people just you know you can't help it. It's just there. It's an instinct. You just have this quick reaction. I really want to do these things. Like I tried to watch The Conjuring four years ago, and I still think mm. about it. I got mm. through the opening credits. Yeah, The Conjuring Scary. is a little disappointing. I mean, it, it's, it has some really good creepy moments, but it's kind of a misogynistic movie. I'm not gonna get into that. That's fair. Too deep, but like it's definitely. Which conjuring are you talking about, though? Um, both the ones I've seen, which is one and three, have kind of a very othering, is... anti anyone who's not Christian and normal, like hetero family values kind of vibe. Because you know, frankly, that was what Ed and Lorraine Warren were all about back in the '80s. But it's it's kind of I kind of wonder how those movies are going to age twenty years from now because right. they're already kind of promoting this syrupy family values message that's very one-dimensional and not inclusive. Mm-hmm. They're well made for the most part, but I just kind of take issue with like what the, they're kind of selling. Is that is that the movie with Christopher Walken? Um, no. No, that... it's uh, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson play Ed and Lorraine Warren and they're paranormal investigators. Oh, okay. yeah. The Prophecy movie? The Prophecy, that's it. Mm, yeah. yeah, those Sorry. are older. Yeah, yeah Conjuring, okay. Conjuring is like... 2012, they think they start, start oh, coming out. 2012. Okay, yeah, yeah they're recent. like. But if you know, like the Annabelle doll, that's like a Conjuring oh, like, okay, spinoff, yeah. and that like, nun, the nun, yeah, is like a prequel starring mm-hmm. Tessa Farmiga. Okay. Vera Farmiga's sister, who's excellent in Final Girls. Yeah, she's great. That hmm. movie is so that good. That movie's good. Wait, who's she in Final Girls? She's the main girl. Oh, really? The daughter. Yeah. <laughs> she's oh, yeah. the final girl. She is. She is. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Tessa so, Farmiga is an expat from the Ryan Murphy Extended Universe. <laughs> she got out alive and maybe is contractually not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> so, speaking of things that are 20 years past, we're back to what we were talking about, the Tower of Terror. That's so, right. <laughs> I want, because, because the ride is, the original ride was based on the Twilight Zone, I don't actually want to talk about the ride itself a little bit, if everybody will indulge me. Yeah. Um, apologies to the listeners in advance if you're bored by nerdy theme park talk but i'd be gonna... bored by that i don't know everybody theme has parks their things are amazing so and so is true the Twilight and, Zone. Drew and i are both really big theme park nerds we will watch ride through videos we will watch making ofs we're kind of wannabe imagineers we love disney stuff but we also really love one of our favorite things is like mom and pop uh, roadside attractions and small low budget theme parks and dark rides from like the 50s and 60s and stuff. So we we're just here for all of it, especially if it's spooky. But Tower of Terror, I remember reading in a Disney magazine. I must have been about 10 years old and we picked it up. We were we were at Disneyland. We're staying in the Disneyland hotel and we had this magazine. It was like talking about what was coming new to the parks and 
Um, and then later seeing ads a couple years later when the ride was actually operational and they were trying to get people to come to Florida to check out the first one. And I was always confused about, well, is it a haunted house ride? Because I love the haunted mansion. And mm. then people were like, oh, it's just a drop ride. And so I was kind of, but it was like, but it was Twilight Zone themed. So I was always kind of fascinated with like, well, what's the Twilight Zone tie-in? So what they did, as I mentioned earlier, is they had this little like, um, when you're in line to get on the ride, you're shown like a pre-show video, which gives you the backstory of these people got on this elevator and something happened and they got, you know, taken to the twilight zone yep. and you're about to get on the same elevator. And they actually had permission from uh, Rod Sterling's widow to use his likeness and voice. And they used old clips to fill in dialogue and then had a voice actor who sounded like him to mm -hmm. try and get this new ride through video, which I will, um, I'm going to link in our show notes on our homepage at thehauntedDavenport.com an actual YouTube video of the ride in its entirety as it is in Florida. So if anyone's curious about what this experience is like, or you've been on it and you just feel nostalgic and don't feel safe or can't go to a theme park right now for a myriad of reasons, mm -hmm. you can relive the ride. Because it's very detailed and very creative. Uh, but they, you know, Disney ha or had to play licensing to... Is it NBC that owns Twilight Zone? They had to pay for the rights to use the Twilight yeah. Zone name and the imagery and the theme music and stuff. But it actually takes you, you get into this little ride car and it takes you um, to, up to a level where you actually go across the building through like a Twilight Zone dimension before it gets you into the mechanism that drops you multiple times. And originally I think they just dropped you once, but as the ride developed and they were working on the technology, they were like, well, we have to keep it more interesting. And so now there's actually a random sequence of how many times you'll fall and how far and jump back up. And it doesn't just allow gravity to drop you. It actually pulls you faster than gravity, which let me tell you, feels awful. <laughs> I have not been on the Tower of Terror ride in Florida and I will go on it if we're there and it's still the original Twilight Zone ride just because I want to see all the Twilight Zone theming and the really gorgeous entryway with the classic old hotel interiors that we see in this movie. But um, we went a couple years ago to Disneyland where they had at the, at the California Adventure Park, they used to have their version of the Tower of Terror, which is a little bit more condensed, and they turned it into Guardians of Galaxy um, because they were planning their Marvel land there. And... While the pre-show for that was fun, it wasn't the spooky atmospheric hotel that I would have liked to experience, but I learned from going on that ride that I do not like drop rides, that it feels like you're going to have a heart attack. It's just <laughs> not a fun sensation, especially when you're being pulled. You made her um, very angry at Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, because like <laughs> Rocket Raccoon's behind the premise of why you're dropping and rising suddenly on that ride. Although I have to say the animatronic for him in the pre-show while you're waiting in line is so good. But... Yeah, so, so also there are Tower of Terror rides in other Disney parks. Um, there is one in Tokyo, and the one in Tokyo has a haunted hotel theming, but it doesn't involve the Twilight Zone because they were not watching Twilight, the Twilight Zone over there, and so when they commissioned the park and were having rides put in, mm -hmm. it didn't really make sense to put that version there, so they made up their own story about a rich entrepreneur and that he had like a cursed object which created the situation leading to the hotel 
elevator just dis being dysfunctional. So it has its own internal Disney storyline, kind of mm. like Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean, those kind of things. And um, that ride I've, I've heard is really good. And it's also interesting to note that um, the character from that ride is part of a larger universe of um, the Society for Adventurers, if I'm pointing that correctly. Uh, the Society of Adventure or Explorers? Explorers and Adventurers, yeah. S -E so S S-E-A. Yeah, so like C. C. Um, so Disney has these characters that they've been developing, and they've kind of incorporated them into storylines at different rides in the park. There is a character... Um, based ride in Hong Kong where they have their version of the Haunted Mansion, which is called Mystic Manor. And they have one of these adventurers. It's his manor and he's got all these objects and they come to life because yeah. one of... Do you want to oh, tell no, the no, story? No, no, no. Like, I mean, I don't know how relevant it is to the movie, right. but anyway. So they have all these characters incorporated and actually with the recent Jungle Cruise movie, this all ties back into right. rides and movies and such, mm -hmm. they actually incorporated some of that society is featured in the recent Jungle Cruise movie. So my question is, are they going to remake the Tower of Terror? Oh, it's man. actually Ooh. in pre-production from oh, what I read. No. Yeah. So, I, uh, and, I, and I do have to ask, do any of the Tower of Terror rides, anywhere World Ride right now, do any of them feature Steve Gutenberg? No. No. Oh, well, that would be awesome if it did. <laughs> so the character in Tokyo, I believe it's in Tokyo. I don't have this in front of me, so I'm just going from nerdy theme park memories. Um, the character in, the character is known as Harrison Hightower. Um, and I'm not sure if it's like the third or if he's the original. But anyway, Harrison Hightower is for that. So I'm kind of wondering, since that's a Disney-owned character and a Disney-owned property, if they're going to remake Tower of, Tower of Terror, if they're going to embellish on that story, because it would kind of fit more with the theming for this recent Jungle Cruise mm, movie. Mm. Um, all of this has very little to do with the actual Twilight Zone or anything to do with retro television horror sci-fi television but I kind of think it's it's a fascinating fascinating sort of adjacent thing if you're interested in the first Disney ride movie right yeah. if you're interested in in Disney you're interested in in some of the developments of these rides or how they build some of this backstory it's all coming together and I predict that we're going to see more and more of these Disney sea characters because um, you're going to see them on the Jungle Cruise ride since they've been revamping that. Yeah, they're and probably going to try and uh, milk another ex expanded universe from all this stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely think that's A where they're going with it. A lot of people are basically predicting that the SEA is going to become like Marvel. The new Marvel. But, yeah. you know, for kids to watch Explorers. Right, well, because it'll have that Indiana Jones feel, which people which love. Indiana Jones is loosely connected. He's he's oh supposed goodness. to be loosely mm -hmm. connected. So, yeah, it's it's there's little kind of Easter eggs for these characters throughout Disney parks throughout the world. So if you're hmm. a Disney nerd, you might already know all about this. But anyway, um, so when we're watching this movie, I, one of the things that I actually really enjoy about it, although maybe it would be eye-rolling because it seems like just an ad for the ride, is once the characters figure out that they have to get to the tip top but uh, the tip top restaurant at the top or the club right. they they have a sequence where you have got two elevators going some of them are in the seat in the in the service ele elevator and some of them are in the regular elevator and the Jeez. green lightning's there and the they're basically experiencing the ride. Like the elevators yeah. are going up and down rapidly just like they do on the ride and it makes me laugh but I also just thought that is 
exactly what happens in the ride. And yeah. they get to the bottom, and the characters who are alive, like Steve Gutenberg and Nia Peoples and um, uh, Michael McShane, all playing, you know, the the current day characters in this, are kind of all looking disheveled, and they're kind of they get down to the to the hotel lobby, and they're like, "What happened?" And the character of Q, the guy who's the owner slash mechanic guy, is like, "What a rush!" And it just seems like such a you know product placement. Like, oh, don't you want to be in an elevator and think that you're gonna die? Absolutely. My, okay. my answer is no. <laughs> Well, if we, if, we, if we can read anything from Kirsten Dunst's reaction, it's not all that thrilling. She seems very matter-of-fact, because for about 15 minutes in this movie, she's trapped in an elevator and is, you know, pretty sure she's going to die. And, mm -hmm. you know, none of the ghosts are comforting her. They're just like, well, you know, we're going to stick around and, you know, watch you go, I guess. Yeah, but, that you know. is a little odd. Yeah. yeah. And, and she's like, you guys can leave. And like, nah, it's all right. Yeah. We'll hang out with you. We'll, we'll hang, hang out, out and watch you die. And cool. and yeah, right right until the very end. Maybe you can haunt this place with us. It'd yeah. be fun. You seem cool. You know, we'll just chill. We uh, did have need... some, like, fresh blood. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we need some new conversations. Which kind of seems like what something that happened in The Shining. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, we're going to watch you die, and then you can join us. Then you can join for us. For eternity. I haven't seen someone die in a few years. <laughs> right. You can, you can tell me about the new martini recipes they have now. <laughs> Honestly, it makes the most sense for that guy, the white guy who's not the bellhop in the elevator of the dead people, for him to be Howard Hightower or whatever his name is. Sure. Yeah. That seems like, it doesn't really make any sense for me um, that the bellhop's family owns the hotel and the bellhop is a bellhop because it's like 1939 it's Hollywood. There's well, some like, real power know. players at this party. And you have your son Maybe, doing maybe labor. he's not like the first son. Maybe he's like well, the fourth son. The yeah. thing, the the impression that we get from from the character of Dewey, who's the bellhop played by John Franklin, I think is that he always feels like he's kind of a screw up, and that his father, who's the owner, was disappointed in him. So I kind of feel like he got stuck with bellhop status because they didn't feel like he could handle more than the elevator. Right. Well, what joke's I think on pops because Dewey's grandson. No. Is now the proprietor is, of is minding the store, the Hollywood Tower Hotel, and he wears Birkenstocks. Also, He's doing a great job. So He's great. I I was a little confused if we're if we want to breach into plot hole territory. Sure, but I was just we'll be here all day. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't need to get too deep into this. But I was uh, confused. We're already at the end. eighty some minutes in. Oh God. Oh goodness. Oh no. No, we're not. Fifty. Sorry. 50 <laughs> we fell into a time gap. It was a it was a Halloween time warp. Kid. Oh no. Step to the left. Yeah. So um. It's Halloween, but it feels like September. Oh no. I know. <laughs> But really? Like, <laughs> in this room filled with Halloween things? I guess all the Halloween things are behind you. Yeah, well, in, in my apartment, at least, the Halloween decorations came out this week, so... Oh, wait, yeah, how's the dummy? How's life with the dummy? Oh, no, oh, I forgot about yeah, the, the dummy. dummy. Wait, does that come out for no, Halloween? No, it doesn't no. come out. It doesn't ever come out. <laughs> Because if, it has to be. If you want to know, if you want to know about the dummy that Andy has to live with, you have to listen to our Twilight Zone episode from <laughs> earlier this dummies. year. About the dummy. If you haven't already. Was that the last episode we did? Oh goodness. Um, like in May. I think, I think so. It was. We took an extended hiatus because life is difficult. Life is difficult. In case you haven't noticed, there is a pandemic on. That as... that wasn't the main reason. It's just you know t trying to schedule things in twenty twenty one is slightly less chaotic than twenty twenty, but I'll, maybe not. Yeah. Is it? We say it's that, not. and then we took is that it? three month hiatus. Is right. it? So yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, we're yeah. all here, and we're in person looking at each other, which we is... We are, for the first time in, awesome... like, a year and a half? Yes. Yeah. For Val's second time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's weird. I feel like I see you all the time, though, because I, like, watch Allison and Drew's turtles whenever they go out of town, so I feel like I'm here a lot. Yeah, Val's mm-hmm. always in this house. I'm just always in the house. Yeah. If you if you if you want me if you want me to show you how to set up the recording equipment, and you just want to like leave us little just snippets. some Val bonus content. Totally. You know, oh. we have the Sleepy Hollow content, and it was hilarious. It's from Val and the Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, anyway. no, so, yeah well, it's, it's, this plot hole is not important. It was just amusing, <laughs> but um, yeah. So he's the proprietor. He like owns the property. Right. Um. I forget, what was the circumstance that was preventing him from inheriting all the money or whatever? He couldn't reopen the hotel unless they can explain the phenomena that happened. Right. Because there was no, like, electrical problem or anything. There was just five people who ostensibly disappeared from a hotel elevator. And so... I'm gonna go ahead and assume it's a permits issue. Yeah, oh, okay. no, I would. I mean, so now that now that he can explain, it was ghosts. It was ghosts. <laughs> now they, we can get those witch, permits. Witchcraft. They yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah that, not ghosts. The they, ghosts were there because of the witchcraft. The witchcraft. They the headline don't. Literally says mystery explained. Right. <laughs> they don't give you. They don't give you the details on that. And if it was a more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. more realistic story and they were like not like oh this is for kids no one will question it because right. yeah. honestly when you're little and you're watching it you're not you're worried really about asking about the permitting issues yeah you're not you're so, asking about why he's suddenly rich at the end but yeah it was a, a completely yeah. usable hotel yeah in what i can only Minus mean, the elevator other than the right, fact right. that you well, couldn't the use works and yeah. the stairs also and the, and the, the stairs, stairs you just can't get to the 12th floor yeah right so or they couldn't get to the 12th floor. Maybe just the ghosts can't yeah, get to no, the 12th Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure yeah. that humans could take the stairs. Yeah, the ghosts really aren't human, but you know what I mean? Like, living humans could yeah. go and up the stairs like and go It seemed like they could the get floor. the elevator actually working. Yeah. So... The logistics around why this building... Because it doesn't even say condemned or anything. Oh, you know what? Maybe like, it was... No, he's hanging no, out he's it. Hanging I think there. nobody wanted to go there because oh. they were scared. Oh, yeah, because of the ghost. Yeah, the ghost right. was yeah. But I also, right. I also I feel like in yeah. the real world, if you had mysterious disappearances, there might be problems getting... You could getting sell that up. Prop- oh, yeah. Well, but getting property insurance and yeah. getting... You would have to prove that a lot of things were safe. But, you know, in the real real world you would have a situation where if something mysterious happened you would just investigate it prove that it wasn't going to happen again yeah. which would be pretty easy to do or get something get your elevator fixed and then yeah. you would have a hotel again that had ghost stories because there's a lot of old hotels especially in yeah. southern california yeah. that have ghost stories mm-hmm. that's true not oh, in southern california but no. yeah no that'd be quite a commute yeah but uh, okay, cool. Well, yeah. consider that consider that resolved. But I, I, I honestly she think closed. I yeah. honestly think that like the Stamp. writers didn't think about that. Well, because I mean, it when we were when Mystery we were solved. talking about <laughs> we were talking about are you afraid of the dark last year? You know, the stories. This this movie's kind of at the level with a lot of those stories. Like yeah. there's there's logistical things. I mean, we talk about a, you know an episode of that show which is produced by the guy who and created by the guy who directed and produced this, mm-hmm. where a guy. You know, where you can pick up a radio station for the dead and, you know, Gilbert Godfrey's basically like a DMV oh, yeah. worker, you know. But there's there's questionable mm-hmm. things. You can poke holes through that story. Tie-in, though, 
Gilbert Godfrey was totally in a television commercial for the Tower of Terror. Yes, oh what? yes, he was. And thank you for bringing that up because we should link that in the show notes too. Because oh no. I think people it's would hilarious. enjoy that. Just Gilbert Godfrey walking around the Tower of Terror. Going, why am I in a fuzzy pink bathrobe? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's Gilbert really Godfrey funny. Iago? Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. Yes. So, if you haven't seen this movie and you are interested in checking it out, it is still momentarily on YouTube. I posted a link in the show notes for our last episode. I can post it again. Stuff comes gets taken off of YouTube, especially when there's a major corporation that owns the copyright. Well, especially if there's another movie in pre-production. Right. Might, you know. But this isn't on Disney+, Plus, even though it is a Disney movie. There's, there's a lot of a kind hidden of... hidden gem. Yep. I mean, you know, I would say that's weird that, you know, it's not on there, but... There's a lot of things because you know there's some other Disney. They're just saving it that for later, you know. To I like to think it's still in the vault. I mean, right. Mr. It's in Mr. the vault. It's criterion. waiting. It's waiting for like a lull in Disney Plus like activity, Content. and they're gonna like bust that out and they're yeah. like new to Disney Plus. Well, I also think Steve if Goldberg. they do go ahead and actually make a new movie, um, that that'll probably give us an idea of what the future of the ride is gonna look like, but also they might bring this back because mm. it would be like a nostalgia thing. Like, hey, or here's the original. Or will hide it even more. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. A lot of people have a lot of love for this. You mm. know, a lot of people yeah. grew up with this. And, and I can totally see why. Like, um, I didn't see this until I was a little bit older. But when I was a kid, had I seen this, I, I would have dug it. I would have been like, oh, this is a fun Halloween season watch, you know? It's strange that I never... I don't think I ever saw this until now, and I watched a lot of the same stuff Al did when we were growing up. Right. But I just, like, I just... This one just flew right past me, I guess. Like, ships in the night. Well, and I used to watch The Wonderful World of Disney throughout the 80s when I was a kid, and, I, you know, I was 17 when this came out, so I wasn't... I was... Yeah. Going to see the Scream movies in the theater. Because right. <laughs> it, you know, I saw, I think I saw Scream 2 in the theater Man. in 1997. I've never um, seen any of the Scream movies. Oh, they're fun. Dun, dun, dun. They're, they are it, fun. Especially if you like slasher movies. Like, if you like Freddy know. Jason. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, they are Again, a lot of fun. Again, we spoke about this yeah, earlier yeah. in the conversation. Well, but I see, those movies are like. The fight or flight. Especially. After the small screen. Yeah. yeah, well, especially, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's, like, it's almost a black comedy these days. Because there's, like, gore and That's violence. That's probably, because, like, it's I think cartoonish. I... cartoonish. Yeah, but it's super cartoony. Yeah, I think I mentioned a couple a couple of episodes ago that I had just seen Hellraiser for the first time. Because yeah. we were finally far enough out right. from the Hellraiser movies mm -hmm. that they are not terrifying. They're just... Like, uh, I'm glad I'm participating in this Clive Barker There's still experience. some terrifying things about that. You wanted to. One or two You watched Hellraiser, like, four with me, like, ages ago. I don't have any memory of that. Well, you don't remember the, Toy Maker? That, that oh one Oh my is, god, that's what that is? <laughs> that's, that's Hellraiser 4. <laughs> that one's ridiculous. That's that's I remember. That one's awful. super oh ridiculous. God. No, I, I remember, I saw, I was 15, I think, and I saw Hellraiser for the first time with friends on Halloween night after we were running around sort of trick-or-treating and, like, hanging out in the back of a friend's yeah. pickup truck. Trick-or-treating with a bag full of toilet well, paper. Well, we had... I think I maybe told this story on a different Halloween episode, but I'm going to tell it again. So it was well, the last time I ever, like, went and did any kind of trick-or-treating, and I wasn't really... And I wasn't dressed up, but we had a couple friends with us who did dress up, and they are like, let's go to the rich neighborhood and get uh, home candy bars. And, story, yes. an and they legend. pile out of the car. <laughs> these, two girl, these two girls that were part of our friend's circle... 
and they go to this like this McMansion and they ring the doorbell and this really sweet lady comes out because we're just like hanging out watching what was gonna happen and they're like oh you girls dressed up that's so sweet what are you two and they say in unison we're dead hookers and I was just like oh my god we're gonna have to leave we're gonna get the police called on us so that was after that we we went back to my friend's house and a bunch of us watched Hellraiser at my friend's house and that was I was I watched a lot of horror at that point, and that I was very unsettled by Hellraiser when it's, I first it's saw it. It's interesting because these days Hellraiser, there's like two kills in Hellraiser, mm -hmm. and, and they're not that gruesome. It's a very slow burn movie. It was the it's concept really of, it is. of Frank and how he was being rebirthed. Yes. Just, it was very unsettling. It's really gross. Yeah. yeah, and and part two I think is really good and also creepy and unsettling. And anytime anything has an like an insane asylum type mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. I'm always unnerved. I have been since I was a little kid. It's so like. Like the Return to Oz, like the beginning oh, of that, it's just like oh, Re Return traumatizing. to Oz is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And I it is saw not that in the theater. <laughs> I was taken to see that in the theater. I was five years old. Dad, Dad took me. I feel like adults just really don't have a barometer of what's going to be scary or not. He yeah, thought it would be fun. It was produced by Disney. Wasn't really. So thanks, Advertising. Disney that it was a terrifying No, and the musical is, it takes out all of the darker elements, really, and makes them a lot lighter, oh, even what though is that? it there, is pretty dark. There is story. a movie I saw. No, no, it's, it's fine. I don't want to look it up right now because I don't want to waste everybody's time because I, I only know it because there's an actor from the comedy show Letterkenny who is in it. Um, it, it's a Canadian movie, and I cannot remember what it is. It's but a it, horror movie? It's a horror movie, and it gave me such Hellraiser 2 vibes, because it takes place in a hospital, and there's a bunch of, like, Lovecraft, eldritch horror stuff happening in it, and there's a bunch of body horror, when and people transforming into monsters. I want to say 2016 or 17. Um, and it's called, like, The Right, or The Void. I think oh. it's called The Void. Oh, is it a Canadian film? I think it's it's got we, Canadian actors. Yeah, we've in it. seen that. That was really good. Yeah, it was it was a 2016 film, The Void, a Canadian Lovecraftian horror movie. Putting a shout out to that, but since we're talking about Hellraiser two, I got really strong, like because it takes place in a the hospital. There's a bunch of weird, like I say, body horror. There's a bunch of people kind of losing their shit over otherworldly things mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, it's it's great. It is better than it has any right to be. It's got a bunch of great practical effects, which the and Tower like Terror whole. Movie, the cult. practical effects are amazing in that. Yeah. I think that's why H is okay. It does. It does have a cult yeah. subplot in it. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway. You know, from children's movies to Hellraiser. To Hellraiser. But, you know, it's spooky season. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like, why not be extra spooky? We originally, I kind of had grandiose plans to talk about horror hosts over multiple episodes for October, but it just wasn't in the cards this year. So, hopefully for 2022, fingers crossed, we can do the horror host extravaganza that I wanted to do. Hmm. Or mentioning it now could curse it forever. Who can say? Five I, you know, it's it, when unless unless you're podcasting professionally and that's your job, it's really hard to just consistently make stuff happen the way you want it to just because life happens and unless that's like how you're paying your bills, like you're gonna you know, one of my very favorite podcasts is, has been kind of on a semi hiatus this year and Same. and it happens. Yeah. And you know, another one that I really like periodically does because you know, sometimes the people who run it, they've got kids and maybe they've been homeschooling during the pandemic and it's not feasible to do that or, you know, something happens. Yeah. And, and that's just, you know, that's the way it is. And and this podcast especially knows what it's like to just have stuff come out of the blue, unfortunately. Boy, howdy, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, so hopefully, you know, you guys have all 
you know, are hanging with us and we are definitely not going anywhere. We are going to continue to try to keep putting out episodes, but you know, it was a little more challenging these past few months, but we were going to, you know, come hell or high water, get you something out for Halloween season. It's true. And we've been promising Tower of Terror for like a year. So mm-hmm. I think it was worth the wait because definitely. this is definitely a good movie to watch all together. Mm-hmm. Mostly because like Andy and Drew and I just kind of talked through the whole movie because we're so incredulous just watching Steve Gutenberg <laughs> bumble through. Allison is very diligently making notes so that we can have a cohesive podcast. Well, and I, I was looking up stuff because I'd seen it recently. Yeah. We actually, I ended up purchasing this on DVD from Best Buy for five bucks, which was totally worth it. You know, they didn't Everybody. even charge me shipping. And that's not like a plug for Best Buy, but if you are a fan of this. <laughs> if you're a fan of Best Buy. Well, you can actually even get this through the Disney store. Quick, buy something now before they go um, out of business. <laughs> to the Di- go buy an Xbox. Who cares? It's Best Buy. Oh. oh. I mean, it's just another big box store. No, it's definitely it's not, not like it's, <laughs> yeah we're not that there go our gift kid. cards I, I'm trying yeah. to leave my job so <laughs> oh yeah you yeah. want you want to go work minimum wage for some big bucks no she wants like to Best Buy to sponsor, sponsor us. Us. So she Best wants Buy. to be a hype person I think that we have to put out more than more than six episodes a year I think that the people will listen if the content is high quality it's quality over quantity we're like a cast iron skillet that's right that's right Enduring. We take a beating, we come back, you come can't back. stop us. We you get a little rusty. Yep. And then you, you just scrub it really it. good and yeah. re-season it. The cast iron Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable place to sit. Yeah. <laughs> We've been re-seasoned. Yep. And Why here are my we are pants again. Black and re-seasoned <laughs> just in time for the season. Why, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> Right? Talking yep. about Cenobite. I don't know. I did just get a tetanus booster, so I guess I could sit on something rusty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exciting things to discuss next time on. <laughs> Do we? Oh, we're kind of we're kind of derailing a little bit, but did a we? Little? Did we want to talk about anything else Tower of Terror related? Uh, well, you. I'm trying you to remember. If there was any specific things that really threw me. Huh? I was oh. gonna say that. You, haven't one or both of you, Andy or Val, been on the ride in California before it became, yeah, Val, before it became Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Um, what did you, what was your experience like? So the very first time was in 2005. I was in Disneyland on a marching band trip for Ooh. Veterans Day weekend. Ew, I got broken up with like three different times on that four day trip. By different people? <laughs> no. No. Same guy. By so my you, one you dirtbag on boyfriend. On again, mm-hmm. off again. I thought maybe I thought maybe you had a, a fun a harem and that they all got upset or something. I mean, it, they it, all it, found it out about each band. other. It was know, the lurker yeah. at the threshold, and he was out to do me wrong. Oh, that was so. the name I gave him. Yes, oh. R.I.P. to that romance. Anyways, he um, was a lurker. I remember we had just broken up, and I was like, "Well, fine, I'm gonna leave the Magic Kingdom and go to Disney's California Adventure across the parking lot." <laughs> was that back before they made general improvements? Like it was like kind of less. No, good like back downtown then? Disney was all was set still up. Fun. That was the first okay. time I'd ever seen a Sephora. I was really getting an education with a capital E on this trip. Um, <laughs> Sephora. <laughs> so I went. I was. I was with a bunch of my like. I don't know, like second tier, like bench warmer friends. The B team. The B team, because yeah, my was... regular friends were all with the lurker. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm just going to make the best of it with the pit crew. <laughs> so if you are in marching band, Ooh, you know that ouch. that's derisive. Thank ouch. you, Drew. Um, I, I was the uh, drum major. This is a plug that I was popular in high school. 
Uh, anyways, um, (laughs) (laughs) so anyways, we're at the Tower of Terror, but the line was really long and I was really like, my candle kind of been burning at both ends and I was really tired and I had my first six shots of espresso Mm. while standing in the queue for this ride. And so my, (laughs) so you really had to pee. Like, if you want to talk about your heart dropping, imagine having, like, caffeine in a profound way for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. But I also, like, because, like, I I didn't realize the ride was affiliated with this movie that I'd seen growing up, because I thought that this movie was called The 13th Floor, because that also seems, like, vaguely adjacent to what's going on here. Isn't there a movie about The 13th Floor? Yeah, there there is. There is a... (laughs) 1990 USA channel made for TV movie called Nightmare on the 13th Floor. Huh. And it has an, like a secret floor with an axe murderer. And huh. What? It's awesome. It's hard to find on YouTube. Well, usually you can find it with like subtitles. And if you guys ever want to watch it and cover it, I'm totally down because it's Absolutely. something I saw on TV yeah. as a child. It used to be on USA all the yeah. time. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is messed up and a lot of fun. And it stars, um, it stars James Brolin. So yeah, cause it's like, we should watch it. There's that whole thing. Like every time you stay at like a holiday Inn express or something like that, if it has 13 floors, the floors jump from 12, 12 to 14, 14. because mm-hmm. of superstition. Um, and so, but everyone on fourteen knows they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like every, like my whole like conceptualization of this ride as a standalone thing and as related to the Steve Gutenberg Kirsten Dunst movie, and also like because it still had the Twilight Zone intro, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I know what the Twilight Zone is, and now I'm super confused as to where I am or what's happening to me, and I've had so much caffeine for the first time in my life. I had so a really you're good time. Over caffeinated. You think yeah. you're in three different hotels. Three at different the same hotels. Time. But it's a beautiful because it's on this section of uh, California Adventure, which was relatively new at that time. Um, called like a Hollywood backlot area, and yeah. it's just like you can see the hotel, and you can see like you see the people in the ride, like you can see them at the top of the tower and then Mm -hmm. you see the flash of green and then they drop and you can hear them all throughout the park. And it's just like, this was like the pinnacle of like, I was 14 years old and I was ready to like have some adrenaline spike. I was so excited (laughs) to live this. already full of caffeine. Already full of caffeine. Yeah. Um, And so that was really great. And then I think the last time I went to Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom was in 2012. Um, and I'm sure I went on it then, but I was dating someone at the time who really just couldn't do roller coasters or anything like high velocity. Not seeking an adrenaline spike. Absolutely not. I think it was like a motion sickness thing. I heard a weird sound. It was me. Ah. I apologize. Oh, I thought it was like I a... accidentally had a whole can of soda. Mm, that's okay. No, I thought it was a... <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought it was like a phone tone. Similar so... to the Tower of Terror experience. Yeah. I'm experiencing a lot of different bodily things right now. Alright. But yeah, I just... Haunted can. This was one of my favorite rides. And it's not that I dislike um, the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. I think those movies are fun and I think that they've introduced um, a lot of young people to really popular music from the 70s that maybe they wouldn't be introduced to and that's really cool. Sure. Um, but the aesthetic of that old Hollywood glamour and sort of like something spooky and something sci-fi and something kind of magical like that to me evokes the best of what Disneyland has to offer. Like, the space section of Disneyland, like, other than Space Mountain, it never really did it to me because I never really had that, like, 
the world of tomorrow sort of fascination with space. But I loved the haunted mansion and I loved that there was kind of like something more yeah. in that same vein. And so I was really sad when I heard that they remodeled it because that building, it like it's fantastic and mm -hmm. it really spoke to a different era of ride building that right. I really enjoyed and felt really nostalgic for it. I'm not really an amusement parks person nor am I like a Disney adult so like I have a lot of fondness for my experience going to Disneyland those couple of times as like an older teen slash younger younger adult. Cool. Yeah. Well and you can still go to a Twilight Zone Tower of Terror today at Disney World. Which is the original ride. Which yeah. a lot of times when rides get redone or taken down, I feel like there's a tendency to try and preserve the original ride at the original park longer. Like, you know, you have things like, and I don't know if anybody even cares about this, but the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, the original one, is in that Disneyland. so good! Yeah. And they took the one out of Florida. But the Florida one was a copy. Is so it because it hits too close to home with Florida um, drivers? It's because... <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah, <laughs> alright. My husband is from Florida, so Your I'm allowed husband. to say that. <laughs> well, at the time that this will be posted... Time warp. Oh I will God. have a husband. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Val Barlow so, so you'll have no to let, let me know when I'm allowed to release this. Then. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. wild. <laughs> Definitely will be in October. We're recording this early what, to make sure we get it done. Watch the marriage get delayed for some reason, <laughs> and it's like, sorry, can't release this till next year. Thanks, Val. No, we'll just add a little message saying, you know, corrections and omissions. <laughs> so content note, right? So due to anyway. Florida. <laughs> I believe that. So I, like that's that's something. So the original Tower of Terror. I don't know if it'll be there in, you know, forever, or that it won't get tweaked. I feel like it won't get taken away. I feel like there's a chance that they might drop the Twilight Zone aspect at some point and just keep it a haunted hotel ride. Right. It depends on, and, and the only reason why I really suspect that could happen is because it's a property Disney doesn't own. Yes, yeah, but yet. Disney will, if that came well, up, would probably people, just buy People who are fans property. of the ride were really concerned when the Jordan Peele reboot of the Twilight Zone series came out because they thought that with the popularity of that coming out that there would be a higher price tag next time renegotiation for licensing came out. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's anyone's guess. I kind of, I don't even know. We watched a little bit of the, of the new Twilight Zone series and really enjoyed it. But I, I kind of got the impression that that was enthusiasm with that was kind of petering out. So I don't know. It's just, I honestly think in a world where you have so many choices for television now and there's so many stream, streaming services that mm. people are re reticent to necessarily um, subscribe to a network service in yeah. order to get one show. And well, and I, I think Twilight Zone's moment has kind of passed as well because Black Mirror beat it to the punch. If, oh, if we're yeah. talking about well, the modern era, Black yeah. Mirror is is Twilight Zone for the last five years. It really, it really is. And and I think I think it hits with social relevance in the way that Twilight Zone did in its time. And then you always have classic Twilight Zone. Or yeah. And, you know, I remember seeing a little bit of the 85 revival of Twilight Zone, which we may visit at some point on this show, um, and being really creeped out by it. And I revisited it as an adult, and some of it was good, but some of it just wasn't as good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's hard to beat the original. It was of the time and place, and you had Rod Serling at the helm, and he was a, he was a master of his craft. He's a visionary, He yeah. came from a, you know, a, 
theater background and he was very thoughtful and had a lot of really poignant things to say about society and I really think that Jordan Peele gave it his all with the new show but it kind of you know it was a wash in a sea of so many choices of good programming yeah I think that also like the thing that slaps the hardest for me about Twilight Zone now like living in Twilight Zone that slaps, slaps the, the hardest, hardest. <laughs> um sorry is that Twilight Zone so the original run has a lot of fascination with space exploration and astronauts and sort of like the consequences of the further exploration and expansion of mankind. I think Rod Serling was really fascinated by finding yourself in a space so big that you recognize the inconsequence of your own being mm -hmm. or perhaps finding yourself in a space so small like a t like a space capsule and being forced to reckon with the consequence of your own being. And I mm. think that for me, Twilight Zone really came back around in the last couple of years as like, I continued to feel really connected to the wider world, but mm -hmm. also incredibly disconnected mm. from the world in a way that, like, I like Black Mirror. Black Mirror is fun, yeah. but like, yeah, fun isn't the word I would use. <laughs> Black Mirror is a good time it's if you're really good. into um, being horrified. It's, yeah, it's deeply upsetting um, most but of the time. The way that Twilight Zone there's always the episodes have like two people or like three people max it's big and it's lonely and that mm -hmm. really just like watching it for the show but also i i'm just a huge fan of the twilight zone in general like that really came back around for me so i wouldn't be surprised if the property ended up being acquired and we saw something hearkening back to that specific brand of isolation that comes from having an expanse of knowledge and then, you know. Yeah, and there seems to be an, an, a strong interest, at least, you know, those in the billionaire class of trying to get back out into space exploration. So yes. there, you know, there might, that might become more of a theme in the future as that becomes more part of our reality. Well, yeah. I, I just hope we don't see a gross, creepy CGI Rod Serling brought back from the grave by Disney. Yeah. Here's a cross-promotional idea. Disney, this is free for you. Um, take California soaring over California thing, that hang glider oh, thing yeah. that smells like oranges. Put the gremlin from the airplane in that yeah. ride. Oh. And then that's how we reintegrate the toilet. <laughs> that would be so cool. era. It's just like a person in a gremlin. <laughs> my big, my totally big thing. Totally could have a, a promotional, like, uh, commercial with William Shatner in it. <laughs> I know he'd do it. He's doing, oh, like, yeah. Priceline commercials yeah. and also this. Right. <laughs> the Negotiator and the Flight Gremlin. <laughs> that would be fun. There's a Gremlin on the ride! <laughs> and, and if he wasn't available, maybe you could get John Lithgow, because he did the film. Uh, yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah, all of these are free ideas. Every idea subsequent to this will cost money, and you'll owe us royalties. That's true. If the Disney bots are listening, I would really love it if they would put a mystery shack from Gravity Falls in their Redwood area of DCA. Oh, if only. Like, please. It would be amazing. Please do that. We need so, the Pineses. Yes. Yes, we do. Very Actually, cool. like, the, the brother and sister on that show kind of remind me of Andy and Val. Just Aww. a little. Like, I, I see some, some Dipper and Mabel lines. <laughs> In, in the family. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I call Dipper. Why Dipper and Michael <laughs> <Pants>. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I think, I think we've, we've 
waxed poetic about the Tower of Terror and we its have incarnations. It, at for... least a half an hour of actual Tower of Terror. Hey, talk. right. That was right. mostly just discuss just discussing the separate plot threads of the movie. Yeah, that's that true. first thirty minutes. I still want to know where those trees were being planted. Yep. Yeah, and what kind of trees were? There? And we were I left mean, hanging. Did they get planted? Right. I, I Buzzy know wasn't there. So yeah. many things about like. Where'd the book come from? How'd the girl get it? Where'd it go after she was done with it? That is right. a really good question. How did this little girl in 1939 at 10 years old get her hands on some witchcraft paraphernalia <laughs> and a book? Because it's not like now where she could just scroll Instagram and learn things. No. <laughs> she, she got her hands on like a copy of the Necronomicon in 1939. I, yeah, I, I really wish that had been explained. Or if like maybe she... Maybe there was a family member who was, like, into it, or she had, like, a weird occult neighbor who gave a her ideas. aunt? Yeah, right, well... originally I was like, oh, well, she was, like, a master witch at to age 10, and yet then she spent the next 60 years not using any of her witchcraft while she's stuck in, basically, a old folks home from age 10 till she finally became no, maybe, ready for an old folks home. Maybe we've got it all wrong. Maybe that's like the center of her power and she's got all those people in her thrall. And oh. that's, you know? No, I think Nefarious. it's gotta yeah. be where she just stumbled upon a book. Uh-huh. At she the public read library. Some, exactly. <laughs> she she set up some candles because she's in read. the movie business. She knows what it's supposed to look like. Uh -huh. And then she read from the book, screwed it up, and has been in an insane asylum ever since. <laughs> I like that read. Sure. Drew. I yeah. like that read a lot. But what I want to know is I want to see the prequel of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that sweet book with little astrological signs on it. Definitely. And the Anka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe if they redo this movie... I, I kind of think if they... If it actually makes it into actual production, that it will probably go in a completely different direction. It's going to be the Harrison. I, yeah, I think it. I, yeah. I definitely think that's yeah. where it's going to go. Which is fine. That's fine. Um, and I guess I read. I don't know how accurate this is. That like Scarlett Johansson was attached to be a producer of this new version. Huh. Okay. Maybe she was a fan of the ride. What Maybe? was it? I that don't know. We just saw her. She's going to be in a remake of something. That well, was, like, mystified by... I don't know. they even were making it. Was that, like, a preview we saw when we saw the Jungle Cruise movie? No. Which, by the way, was pretty fun. Yeah, we liked the, the Jungle Rock. Cruise movie. Dwayne Johnson is always a good time, and it... it, it uh, my was... favorite part of the Jungle Cruise movie is that I read all the reviews ahead of time and all the people that were bashing it were like, it's just full of stupid puns. But clearly you <laughs> have not ridden the ride. And yeah. Like, oh my God, perfect. Yeah, it's like it's a just like the ride. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really gives a lot of love to what people enjoy the most about the actual ride. And honestly, I think... I'm, I'm not a huge Pirates of the Caribbean fan. I think the first one is fun, but I kind of roll my eyes at, at how popular that got. And, you know, people have heard my thoughts on where Johnny Depp's career has gone and how irritating I find him these days. But um, I just think, yeah, I know, I'm not going to go on a rant, I promise. But I think that, I think that this was definitely as much quality as the first Pirates movie. Just as much fun, just as much stuff from the ride. And it's very much an action-adventure thing in the vein of the Pirates movie. It's definitely not a dud like the Haunted Mansion movie, which I really tried to like because I love the ride so much. But 
it's kind of a big snore. So yeah, if you're, if that's something you're inclined to go check out, I, you know, it was a good summer fun distraction in the midst of a summer that really wasn't any fun. <laughs> but we, what were you going to say? It was Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, she's they're gonna redoing... be in another remake uh, of Little Shop of Horrors. That's like making Audrey the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She's Audrey. I know it is kind of right. It doesn't not need to happen. No, not Audrey. I know too. she likes to challenge herself. She would be <laughs> really great at Audrey. Too. I think she should be. Audrey Would be really too. fun be is if better. she did did play Audrey too, and then a bunch of carnivorous sentient plants started complaining about taking a role away from one of them. <laughs> <laughs> what I would like to see it's is like a robot chicken the episode. Little Shop of Horrors with Scarlett Johansson in the vein of Norbit. Or the uh, Nutty Professor, where she plays oh, every all the roles. Role? Yeah. Ooh, That's yeah. what I would like to see <laughs> as a huge ScarJo fan. Yeah, ScarJo, let's just uh, stop production right now and remake this movie. Hmm? I'm sure they've already filmed half of it, but <laughs> right, who cares? Right, yeah. I, or, you know, actually, more than anything with that one, please just make Audrey 2 be practical. Do not make it a CGI creation, because if you do, and I see that in the preview, I'm not going to watch that. You know, I'm probably not going to watch it anyway. Computer, so. computer, computer graphics are a valuable tool, and they can definitely add polish and things. But if when you only use animation in live action, it looks weird. They just have not figured out a way yet, and I kind of hope they never do because it'll be really creepy to actually trick our brains into believing that these are real physical things operating with the law of physics. I just feel like your eye and your brain can tell, hmm. and you know, you get a lot of like weird rubbery yep, not it's just stuff. Yeah, yeah and it's just there's so it's kind of a slap in the face to the history of practical effects and all of the people that you know for decades innovated and mm. created so many beautiful works of art for mo movie making but enough of that we should wrap up we at the haunted davenport wish you a very very happy and spooky halloween um we will be back probably with some night gallery for night gallery November. And if we're able to fit any kind of bonus Halloween content, um, for the month of October, we will definitely try our hardest, um, but no guarantees. So we hope you all are staying safe and healthy out there. We, um, encourage you to go to our homepage, thehaunteddavenport.com to check out links for ride through videos and some Gilbert Godfrey promo <laughs> action. Um, and also, you'll be able to hear Drew and myself on our friends podcast. Uh, our good friends over at Retro Movie Geek will be doing for their Spooky Flicks Fest all of October. They're going to have a multitude of awesome guests talking about all kinds of vampire films. And Drew and I got to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we were honored to do. Um, we I actually guess we watched that one. recently. It is it's, fantastic. Which, you know, talking about practical effects being oh, works of art. And, and Gary Oldman, man, can he act? That, that movie is a prime <laughs> example of what people can do with the old traditional craft of special effects. Mm -hmm. So if you want to check that out, head over to Retro Movie Geek and... I highly recommend checking out their Spooky Flicks Fest every year. It's always a good time. It's a great podcast in general, which we were fans of long before we actually met Joel and got to podcast with him and Peter and, De and Daryl. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to those guys. So if you want to hear more from us or you want to delve into vampires for October, please go check that out. Um, otherwise, we thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.
Till you 